So I'm going to give you the condensed form this morning. Somebody asked a question, which is a good question, but we've been dealing with the, the woman that, with the 10 coins. We, we discussed to you that it's not 10 coins in her pocket. It's a charm bracelet. It's a diary that somebody gave her 10 coins that was her worth, and she lost it. She lost one piece of it. And we've been through the process the last two weeks that, listen, no matter what anybody says about you, you have to understand what God says your worth is. And if you don't do that, don't let anybody walk around with a Walmart sticker that's, that's knocking down the, the value of your price tag. So we dealt with that last week. So somebody asked a legitimate question. So I'm not going to make fun of you, but, but they said, I got a question. I said, okay. They said, in, in Luke 15, you talked about the trilogy of, of lost things, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. My Bible doesn't say the word prodigal. Thank you for reading your Bible. The word prodigal is not in your Bible. So where do we get it? Well, I'm glad you asked, one of you. So this morning, we're going to kind of begin with this statement. So if, if I'm going to offend you, I might as well just get it over with. So this is found in Romans chapter number 8. Now, if I look at you funny, some of you know i got a detached right eye lens. It's gone. Okay? It's down there somewhere. But I'm, I'm seeing somewhere, but I'm... So if I quit, I'm not winking at you, Burl. I am not winking at you. <laughs> but I lost it about two weeks ago. So I went to have some procedures done last week, and this is no joke. I sat down in, in, in Oklahoma City, and the guy put the light on. It's his exact words. Boy, oh boy. That's what he said. And I said, nobody should ever say that first. A surgeon should never say, oops. Nobody should ever say, boy, oh boy, when they're looking in my eye. So... So if I'm kind of squinty, I'm not winking at you. I'm just kind of hiding my eye. I was going to wear sunglasses, but, you know, then the visitors, you think I'm an idiot. So I'm not going to do that. So for as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. So we're going to get to the prodigal son. For as many that are led of the Spirit, they are sons of God. Is anybody here sons of God? Sons and daughters of God? Just say amen. Uh, so let's... Are we sons and daughters of God? Yes? yes? So you are going to be led of the Spirit. This is not a suggestion. This is not kindergarten 101, a preschool of 101 Christianity. I'm trying to deal with the real stuff here. I'm trying to be a professor in college with you because I owe you that. If you are a son or daughter of God, you will be led by the Spirit. Period. Period. So somebody said, somebody said, you've heard this, and that God would never force you to anything. Where in the wide world of sports did you hear that? It didn't come out of the Bible. So they said, oh, God's a perfect gentleman. Is he now? Oh, God would never force you to do anything. Really? Where'd you hear that at? Three o'clock in the morning with TV preachers trying to get your credit card? We'll deal with this next week, but I'm telling you straight up. I'm, here we go. Don't ever make the assumption meekness for weakness. God may be meek, but he's not weak. Kind of like cat and rat. They sound the same, but they're not. So somebody says, well, God would never make me do anything. That's not even biblical. So the word, those that are led by the Spirit, they're sons of God. The word led has a dual meaning. One is a go. If you are born again of God, and you just said you were. 
You just said you were. Then there's a dual meaning to this. One is a go. It means with agreement, harmony. It's a simple surrender. All right? So this is the idea that if you're born again of God, if you love God, and Brandon talked about it, that two things are happening. If you, if you are sons and daughters of God, you will, you will, you will, you will, you will be led of the Spirit. Whether you like it or not, you will be led. So, come here, Chuck. Come here. Quick, I always pick on you. So he don't know anything about it. So, so when, when, when we're in harmony, he's, he's going to be led of the Spirit. So I got him by the hand, and, 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 we're, and we're walking in agreement, and we're having a good time. And see here, Chuck's walking with God. Now sit down there. But the second meaning is agony. It's kind of like a go. You see that? A go, but with an N-Y. And it's the exact opposite from the above. It's a dual meaning. Turn to somebody and say, I'm glad I showed up this morning. I get to see pastor humiliate Chuck. <laughs> so the idea, the first one is, if you're a son or daughter of God, you're going to be led in the Spirit. It means you're going to walk with God, you're going to go with God, you're going to converse with God, and somebody's going to look at you and say, oh, isn't that a wonderful thing? He loves God and God, they're, they're going together. But the other one is this, you can be a Christian, but you're fulfilling the second one. So God says, Chuck, I want, you to, I, 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 I want you to come with me. And Chuck's going, I'm not going nowhere. And I would say, what, what do you mean you're not going anywhere? I'm talking for you. Just move your mouth. What, what, what do you mean I'm not going anywhere? And, 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 and God said, I want you to do this. And he said, I'm not budging. He said, oh, is that a fact, Jack? So what happens is this. Give me your right leg. You're going. We're going. Now, when you see God pulling somebody like this, boy, Boy, Alfred's a good thing it wasn't you, man. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, when you see this happening, I'm saying to you, I love him. He belongs to me, but I'm teaching him a very valuable lesson. If he belongs to me, he's going whether he likes it or not. So you can do it the easy way, or you anybody here a police officer besides Tom? Anybody here a police officer? Yeah, you're a police officer. Uh it'd be you're right. It, it, it would be foolish for you to pull somebody over to bank robber and say, okay, I want you to get in the car. Please, come on. In the car. In the car. Come on, come on. Come on in the car. You know what they're going to do? They're saying, we're not going to go. So what we have to do is that we have to say, oh, you're going. You're going. Well, the idea of this is if you are a son of God, it's kind of like if, if God loves me, he would let me do what I want to. I'll tell you what, in Walmart, there's parents that love kids because they turn them loose and they're doing whatever they want to. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> hey, Jacob carried a limb for that reason. You didn't read it in Genesis. God cut him with a sword, yeah. Jacob, the Old Testament, yeah, it's true. But anyway, so what happens is, watch this, that if you are born again of God, you will be led of the Spirit, period. Now, you can either go with him, or he'll drag you kicking and screaming. But you're going to go. And not this morning, because Jordan will tell you, I cut everything, I'm giving you the condensed form, but next week, show up and I'll prove it. I'll prove it to you 100%. So the idea is, is a great thing that this is the idea. 
that God will not turn his back on me. He won't abandon me. He won't forsake me. If I've committed my life to him, he's committed his life to me. But his ways are not my way. And the idea is that God has already prepared the way. He's just preparing us. So God has already prepared the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Odos, where we get a word for odometer. I am a finished way. And I am the truth. Alethos way is the word clarity. And I am light. Zoe. And there's joy on the journey. He has already prepared the way for us. He, now then, he's just preparing us. So it's kind of like a guy that's got a dog and he's dragging that dog. He's a big dog and he's dragging the dog and the dog is just sitting on his hind end. And you'd say, what's going on here? Well, it's my dog. Well, I see that, but it, it looks like he don't want to go. Oh, he's going to go. It may be agony. But he's going to go. I don't know about you, but I want to tell you, I, one of the things I find comfort in this, this is like an oxymoron. I'm so thankful that even when I let go of God, he does not let go of me. Even when I turn my back on God as the prodigal's father, he never turned his back on his son. God will not let go of you. I say God will not let go of you. And I'm going to tell you what, you have a couple options this morning. You can go with God and walk with God and be in agreement, or he's going to drag you, Mark and Jeremy, every step of the Dallas Cowboy way. <laughs> so the frustrations that we're going to experience is when our souls, which is our mind, will, and emotions, is in conflict with God's word. So... Next week, we're going to give you a great definition of the soul, but our soul, suke, is mind, will, and emotion. A soul is not the Spirit of God. The soul is mind, will, and emotions. Our thought process, our reasoning process, our, our anger, our love, our, our affection, our hatred, all those things is referred to as the soul of man. So next week, bring you a sack of lunch, and we'll talk about this. Our biggest frustrations as Christians is that when, when our souls is in conflict with God's Word. Some of you ought to know by now that I'm a preacher of the gospel. That's what I do. I preach the Word. That's, that's it. I'm, I'm not going to make things up, and I'm not going to let things loose. But I'm going to tell you, our biggest problems as Christians is that when we want to trump our feelings and our thoughts and what Brother Phil said and Sister Oprah said over God's Word. Now, the problem with that is some of you don't know what God says about it. Well, you're in the right place. You show up and listen up. So that's one of our biggest frustrations. So we're going to talk about this. This is found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, and we're not going to read it, thank God. But this is a story of the prodigal son. But how many knows in their Bible the word prodigal is not there? So where do we get the word prodigal? That's a good question. So the word prodigal, by definition, is proagir. It's a Latin word. So when you put them, separate them, pro means in front of, forth, or ahead of. A gear is where we get an English word for a gear. A gear, a cog. The Latin word for a gear means to be driven or to drive. You put them both together, it means something is being driven or something is going forward before something. And the definition of prodigal is to drive or be, to drive or to before thought or reason. 
I'm going before I even think about it. I'm acting before I pray about it. I'm giving her a piece of my mind before I ask God, what should I do? Prodigal. The Greek lexicon, it means someone that is being reckless or dangerous, careless, lacking restraint or respect for others or oneself. The prodigal son story, really, you could just go ahead and insert your name in that. Not my wife, of course, but you can insert your name in that. But someone that absolutely was driven to do something before they thought about it, prayed about it, or even, or even thought about someone else and the damage that would occur. Now, years ago, way before some of you millennials were born, that when you got into the automobile, whether it be a pickup or especially an automatic or, or, or a vehicle or, or, or car, that you could just reach up to the gear shift and pull the, the shifter down. That got us in a lot of trouble. So before you can engage an automatic car in the gear, you have to mash the brake. There's reasons for that. Because what happens is by mashing the brake, you are preparing yourself before you put it in drive. Now, my middle son, I learned a valuable lesson on that one time. I, I put him in the car, and he's about four, three, I don't know. To my defense, I was left unsupervised. Gala was working, so... So I said, I got to lock the door. Don't bother nothing. He said, I won't, Daddy. And next thing I know, he's behind the wheel standing up. He's got that baby in gear and headed for the dumpster. I got it about eight inches for the dumpster before he hit it, went through the windshield. So, so what happens is the prodigal means, pro a gear, it means this, to be driven, to drive, before thought or reason becomes a factor in what you're doing. And this young man, his life was indicative of that because I'll tell you what, even to, against his father's will or advice, he did what he wanted to do. And it got him in trouble. And so we're all prodigals. We all grow up without boundaries, restrictions. We all, we say, it's my way or the highway. So we all understand what it's like to be a prodigal son or daughter. Agreed? So Luke 15 reveals to us that a life without the leadership of God will lead us back to the pig pen every day time. This story, this parable, is speaking to us as grown men and grown women that once we go beyond, go ahead of the word or the will of God, it'll head us right straight back to the pig pen every time in guilt and shame and frustration. And even in this story that we know that, that God the Father is always constantly looking, we're not going to get into the story, but we're just telling you that, that we should, no matter what we do, if we buy a car, let's pray about it. If we buy a house, let's pray about it. If we do something, let's go seek the counsel of a friend, a wise friend. If, if we're having troubles with something or somebody, we're biblically saying, then go to someone in the church that's mature. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. I'm going to say something that absolutely blow your mind. Somebody come in and want to get married. And I would say, did you pray about it? And you thought I slapped them. But well, why should I have to pray about it? Duh. Somebody walk in the door and say, well, we're, we're going to quit the church. And, and on some of you, I'd say, thank God. But the rest of y'all said, have you prayed about it? Well, we like the music over there better. But have you prayed about it? Well, they, they're a little bit more friendlier. But have you prayed about it? Because the last thing you want to do is get ahead of the will of God and get ahead of the word of God. 
So I've learned through the years that I'm tired of being prodigal. I got the trophy of being prodigal for about 20 years. I got it every year. Virgil was a close second, but I got it every year. And then I found out life was easier when I did it God's way. So before I just cut somebody off in traffic and gave them a piece of my mind or whatever, I asked God, I want your, I want your will in this area of my life. And all the mess and, and that we've been dealing with, with COVID and politics and people and all this stuff, I mean, we live in a crazy world. And I can get on board and I can be the first one on board and get behind here and I can just, I can just, just machine gun everything and every politician. And every, but you know what? That's not probably really what God wants me to do. I'm not going to waste foolish time when I can present in you the Word of God. So the idea this morning, so if you're frustrated and you're constantly kicking and screaming as God is having to drag you along every step of your way, you're in the right place this morning. So what do we do? So here's what the Word says. You've got to go back to what the Word of God says. Music as good as Catherine sings won't change you. Good piano playing as good as Brenda can play won't change you. There's only one thing that will change a man and that is God, because the Bible says God and His Spirit and His Word is all one. So when I say the Word of God, then I mean because my Word that I'm speaking is really who I am. So when God's Word says something, it's really who He is. So we're not dividing Him up. I'm just telling you God's Word is God Himself speaking to us, wrapped up in a fleshly man called Jesus, and God put Him on two legs. He said, if you really want to know me and know my Word, He said, watch Him and, and do everything He does. So this morning, let's, we've got to go to what the Word says. So if you're tired of constantly being drugged around and led around and agony and, 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 and all that stuff, it's probably because you're not in harmony with God. And I'll tell you, God's way is better than your way. It is. And nothing is more frustrating than for you and God to be in a conflict, and you can't be in conflict with God because he'd smash you like a buck, so... I'd rather I go with him than be in agony with him. I've been there. No bueno. Romans chapter 9, verse 12, says this. And it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Now I know for some of you that you say God doesn't hate anybody, so the word of God is a liar, so we might as well just shut this place down and sell chicken and hogs, I guess. I don't know. Now, this word hated, by definition of the Greek language, is strongly disliked. Okay. So he's telling you up front. He said, I love Jacob, and I didn't quite love Esau. So God said, it was said unto her, which is more his mother, that the elder shall serve the younger. So in this story, we know this, the angel appears, Rebecca, and he said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to, there's two, there's two, there's twins in your womb. Two nations. Two nations. But he said this, the first one, Esau, and the second one, Jacob. And the Bible said in Romans, you need to read this a little bit because some of you don't understand that God knows everything before it even happens. He said, not even good or bad that they've ever done, but the divine election would... 
be in place. You ought to read this. That these boys not having done good or bad, evil or good, but that according to divine election, that God's word would be accomplished before the boys was even hatched out of their mother's stomach. But he said this thing for sure, that the younger will rule over the elder. Now, as far as the Jews are concerned, that was backwards because the, the elder always ruled. Esau was big and tall and hairy. He's kind of like Brandon, great big old guy. And the Bible says that Jacob lived in, and he loved to be around his mother in the tents. It wasn't that he was a mama's boy because his mother was there when the angel told her this promise. She said, son, Esau's your daddy's boy, but you're my boy. But I want to tell you, the angel of God says, you're the one. You just stay close to mama. I love to be around people that have heard from God. I love to be reminded from people that have heard from God. And I'm telling you, he said, the angel said, you will rule over your elder brother. Here's, here's the story. Our old man, our old nature was born in 1959, October the 9th. That's my old man. I lived in entity with God. But in somewhere around October of 1980, I got born again. I really got born again. I didn't, I didn't get religious. I got born again. All right? Some of you need to get born again. Trust me. And at that born again, that was my younger man. And my older man said, I'll always have dominion over your thoughts and your actions, and I'll always tell the body what to do for the first 20 years. But when I got born again, there was another man born in my life. It was the Son of God born in my life. And I will tell you this, your younger man, your born-again man will rule over your ungodly human nature. It may not look like it, but it will. You may be kicking and screaming, but you will. Your spirit man will rule over your natural man. Your natural man will say, well, not without a fight. And God says, I'm up to it. But I will take control of this body and I will take control of you. And the biggest problems that we have as Christians is that we allow our thoughts to try to outdo and trump over the Word of God. And he said, here's the promise. Your younger man, your born-again man, will rule over your bad habits, your foul mouth, all this stuff that your, your soul has been accustomed to telling the body what to do. And listen, the body's not to blame. Your brain's to blame. Your body says, I, I, I have no say in this. Matter of fact, when the hammer hits the nail, the body says, what are you thinking? See, you want to blame the body. Are you with me? I mean, I can go back and preach fluff stuff, but I'm not into fluff stuff. Your body, I mean, quit blaming the body. Did you know that your body is a gift from God? Quit abusing it. Quit doing stupid things to your body. You are not your own. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know you are not your own? You have been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. Your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not telling you if you got a tattoo. My wife's got one. No, she don't either. But I'm not telling you to go down and get that thing taken off. I'm just telling you, stop it. It's not your body anymore. 
But what happens is this, is that when you go home, you can spray paint your house. I don't care. But don't come to my house spray paint it. Because it don't belong to you. And I don't care. Jeremy says cowboys are number one with a, pair, with a can of blue spray paint. Don't do it on my car. The idea that, watch this, this is so important. Now, now you're rolling your eyes. Oh, my God, he's, now he's closed line preaching. I am not. When we're going to understand that the Word of God says, your body now belongs to me, quit abusing it. Quit feeling full of booze. Quit taking heroin. Quit shooting up. Quit rooting for Texas Longhorns. It'll all kill you. I mean, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Treat it like God lives in this place. And this is not a condemning message. I'm trying to get you to understand. I want you to go with God instead of God dragging you every stinking step of the way. The younger will rule the elder. My spirit man will take control of my fleshly man. And I will tell you, I'm improving. Yesterday, it was put to the test, and I passed the test. With the help of my wife, I passed the test. <laughs> I'm talking to you men. Getting mad, throwing a fit, flipping people off, cutting them off. What are you thinking? What does the Bible say about that? Well, I don't care. Well, you should care. See, this is more than just coming here and making you feel good. And, and I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So the idea is this, listen. Somebody said, well, well, God doesn't care. Sure he cares. There's no parent in this place that doesn't care what their children do. There's not one in this place that says that sets boundaries and guidelines. If you love your children, you'll set guidelines and boundaries for them. So this is what I'm saying. Somebody said, well, he's against tattoos. I didn't say that, but I'm just telling you, quit harming your body. And while we're on the subject, what is with these ear things? What is with that? Coils? What is with that? I don't understand that. Do you understand that? I'm out of touch with humanity. I know the Africans do it, but I don't do it. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm just telling you, quit harming your body. If there's any attraction that should be seen, it's the loveliness and the grace of Christ coming out of your heart and spirit. So your younger man will rule your old, hateful nature. I know you don't believe me, but it's the truth. So this is found in Hebrews chapter number four. It's two great verses, and we're going to go home. So the word of God is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the merit, and it's discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thank you for that rousing applause for that scripture. Yes. Yeah, well, you, I was just, it was just a joke, but anyway. So neither is any creature that is, that is, not, as, that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes in, in whom we to do, in with whom we have to do. Okay. The subject matter of this is the word of God. And it's referred to as a sword. So go back to the first. There you go. I probably left something out, but just forget about that. Go to the Word of God. You see the word two-edged sword? It's a Greek word called distomos. Two mouths. 
these two stomos' mouth. Really? Now, in Roman terms, the mouth of the sword was the edge of the sword, but the Apostle Paul said, now then, I'm going to make it where hopefully some spirit-filled people understand this. The Word of God is a two-mouthed sword. Distomos. So I'll say this to you, but if you're not born again here this morning, it's like watching a comedy show with the volume off. You see the audience laughing? You see the guy hitting his knee? You see them holding their stomach, they're laughing so hard. If you're not born again, you, you don't understand really what's going on and being said here, what I'm trying to tell you. See, when the Word of God, God Himself speaks something to you, something, Matthew, something happens. I was raised in church all my life. But nothing changed on the inside till one Sunday morning. God spoke something to me and it went in me. <laughs> and it went in there romping and stomping and kicking and screaming and tearing apart and cutting this and cutting that and dividing this and dividing that. It went in there and just started chopping. It was the original sledgematic, if you would, and just rearranging things in my heart and my life and the things that I used to love now I now hate, and the things that I used to hate I now love. But the other edge of the sword is, is when I say it. What makes this thing so work and so powerful is when the Spirit of the Lord, God's Word is like a two-edged sword, and when His Word is said, it should get in you, and once it gets in you, something begins to change. Shame on me if you leave here in the same condition when you came. I'd rather have you mad at me, but different. I'd rather have you stomping out the back door saying, I'm not ever going to come back, but you do. You're so stinking mad at me, and you say, how dare him speak against tattoos and drinking? I'll never step back in there, but here you are. You know why? Because the Word of God's getting in you. And when the Word of God gets in you, something's happening, something's changing, something's moving, something's being divided. Your thought process is being divided from the Spirit. These things, all these things are, are shifting around, and it should happen on a regular basis. Shame on you if, if you stay the same way the rest of your Christian life. Ooh, then I'm even going to doubt your salvation. Ooh, that's big time. We should always be changing into the nature of the invisible God. Always. So here's what I want to show you this morning. Let's read this in the Message Bible, and then I'm going to explain to you. We're going to let you go. I know you don't believe that, but I am. God means what He says. And what He says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, and laying us open to listen and obey. Now, before you start turning me out, you need to look at this. God means what He says. What He says, go. This is why I go to all the trouble putting these scriptures on the board for you. The Word of God is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether it be doubt or defense, and laying us open. Laying us open. 
so we can obey. And nothing to no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. So we began to tell you this. You can't get away from it. You see this word, one word, we got to go. See this word, and we are all naked and open. You see that word? Trekalizo. Now, before we show you what this means, hang on. God said, my word is going inside of you. So this scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, is dealing with the word of God combating your thoughts, your desires, your will. You with me? And the Bible says that he lays us open. Trachalizo is two words. Where we get a word for trach and lidzo, where we get a word to bend back the neck in order to expose the throat of an enemy. Strong's 5136. Look it up. Now, I have a pocket knife on me, but I'm not going to pull it out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When the word, stay right there. When the word of God, David Jones, gets in your life, something is happening more than just feeling good. Something is happening more than he just punched your ticket to heaven. When the Word of God gets into you, it's going deep into your thoughts, it's going into your desires, it's going into your old habits, it's going into your old ways, and the Word of God is a two-edged sword, and what He does, He takes your thoughts and He exposes your thoughts' throat. And the Word of God says this, if you cuss that guy out one more time, I'm going to... This is the section we need to deal with right here. (laughs) If you act stupid one more time outside the will and my word, it's... As much as I love God, I'm afraid of Him. (laughs) I'm afraid of Him. I don't want to. I don't want to miss heaven. Somebody said, "Well, I'm going." Well, there's only a canopy. Well, are you sure? Are you sure? Well, I, I'm. I'm sure. Are you? I'm would sure. you? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm not talking to you. I'll talk to you in a minute. Are you sure? <laughs> See what happens is this is the concept. The Word of God, Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve through thirteen, is like this. The Word of God takes our thoughts and our desires and our self wills and our bad attitudes. And he opens and exposes the gullet. And he says, don't even think about doing things stupid outside my will. Now, when you understand God in that capacity, I think we'll straighten up, don't you? So the last thing I wrote, God has got plans for our wayward thoughts. So this morning... The prodigal son, he took off. He went ahead of his father's advice. He went ahead of thinking. He he went ahead of planning. He just left. 
And God said, this is the lesson I'm going to teach you. When my word is sown in your life, something's going to happen, something's going to change. Father, for every prodigal that's in this place, we've learned one thing this morning, that even if we let go of you, you will never let go of me. Your word declares that Jesus himself was the Son of God that was made flesh. And he walked among men. Could it be possible this morning, Father, that once again that your word is made flesh in 2021 and still walking among men this morning? Your word, your desires, your heartbeat, your concept, not the religious views, but you, Father. And it's taken me a long time, Father, to understand this, but now that I understand that you've got my throat open, you've got my neck exposed. You're telling my thoughts and my desires and my anger and my hate. You're, you, you've got that thing wide open because you want me open before you. That if I make the wrong move, there's consequences. And you're treating my motives and you're treating my self-will and my self-motivation as an enemy to you. You're saying that my own thoughts and my own desires and my own selfishness, Father, you're saying that I am an enemy to you. And that's why you've sent your word. So from the youngest to the eldest, for the most mature to the most immature in their walk, this morning, Father, just continue to put your word in us. And before we take a step, we're going to pray about it. And before we sign on the dotted line, we're going to ask you what you think about it. And before we enter into a relationship, whether it be a husband or wife or a friendship, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, are we good? Because if so, Father, you'll, you, will, you will deter a lot of damage that I can incur along the way by myself. If you're here this morning, if you've never ever experienced the being born again, you're in the right place. Being born again, basically, Acts 20 tells us, it's repentance to God, but it's faith towards Jesus. So if you're tired of being tired, and if you're lonely, if you're empty, if you're wore out and discouraged, just come to Him in a very simple way. Father, I just give you my life. I'm going to give you my brain. And I want you to put the Word of God to the throat of my brain and say, if you make the wrong word, there's consequences because I want to live according to your word and your will. And maybe you're a prodigal son or daughter this morning. The good news is here today. As we celebrate Holy Communion, he's here to meet you. Let the word get in you, would you please? In Jesus' name.
Amen. If you believe that this morning, won't you stand and give the Lord a praise offering today, huh? The Lord is good. He is. Man, I like to gouge you. You're fun. Communion servers, won't you please come? I want you to be a man that's filled with God's Word. I want you to be a woman that's filled with God's Word. I want the world to see that there's something different about you. It's the Word. Your younger shall rule your elder, Big Dan. That younger born-again man, he's going to rule that old nature. And he'll honor God. Jesus sat down with his disciples that night and he said, for 1,500 years you've been celebrating the Passover. But here's the twist. The unleavened bread that was used represented the, the bread that came down from heaven. It was given to your fathers. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he that eats of me shall never hunger again. He took the cup and he said in the Old Testament that in the Passover, it was the lamb's blood that was shed and placed in the shape of a cross. But he said, now I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John 1, 29. And my Father will take my blood and place it in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. The last commandment we have ever been given as the Christian community is this. Communion. So Father, this morning we're going to come and celebrate the brokenness of Christ, His body broken for us, His blood shed for us. And we're going to let that get deep into our hearts and it's going to change us. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins and the fellowship of your Spirit. And we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.